Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies. It's me, KG. Sitting in a big responsible chair, piloting this spaceship alone tonight. Everybody's on special assignment. Uh, Junie's feeling a little under the weather, so get well there, big brother. Please. Not going to be too long and, you know, drawn out. Just going to hit a couple points and topics and leave it at that. So sit back, relax, kick your shoes off, buckle your seatbelt. It's about to be one great ride. Going to start off in the NBA today. Big story is my man, Manu Ginobili, retired after 16 years. It don't feel like it's been 16 years, to be quite honest. I remember when him and Tony Parker came into the league. And, you know, TP is in Charlotte now, but he's a little older. And Manu's called it a career. A little stat line from him. Four-time NBA champ, gold medal winner in the Olympics, two-time All-Star, two-time NBA third team. Uh, he was a EuroLeague champion. His career averages are 13.3 points a game, 3.5 rebounds, and a total of 3.8 assists per game. So, with that being said, I had a question. Is Manuel Ginobili the best foreign-born player to grace the NBA? Now, let me put a little bit to that. When I say foreign-born player, I don't mean... Like Patrick Ewing, who was born in Jamaica, or Dikembe Mutombo, who was born in Africa. No, no, no. I mean, you know, foreign-born player like uh, <laughs> a Dirk Nowitzki, you know, or uh, 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 if Oscar Schmidt, who was considered one of the greatest foreign-born players ever. Like that's what I'm. That's what I mean. Like, is he the best in that realm? Now, I asked the Professor Lucky this question earlier, and he said he would think Alvidas Sabonis. But, you know, my rebuttal to that was we were robbed of Sabonis because Sabonis was drafted in 86. And we didn't get to see Sabonis until the mid-90s. I mean, he already had bad knees and bad hips and everything, and he was robbed in most of his mobility. But my point is, is Manu Ginobili... The best foreign-born player ever to grace the NBA. Me personally, I say for all that he's brought to the game, and everybody would say, you know, because he, he got four championships because of Tim Duncan. But he was an integral part in those championship runs, as well as Tony Park and Tim Duncan. So, I mean... I don't think they would have won without him because he was clutch just like the other two were. So I say yes. But that's just my opinion and I'm here to give it. I think he's a better player than Dirk because he elevated his team. And you saw a different team when he wasn't on the floor. Truly my opinion. That's all I can go off of. You want to argue about it? Not hard to reach. Mr. Hard to Handle on Twitter. Uh, sideline junkies on Twitter, sideline junkies on 
Instagram, Sideline Junkies on Facebook. Hey, I'm, I'm willing to argue about it and I got stats to back it up. My second question was, with Manu retiring, what does it spell out for the Spurs? Because Pop doesn't really have the weapons that he had once before. Tim's gone. Tony Parker's gone. Kawhi's gone. Now Manu's gone. Yeah, you got DeMar DeRozan, who's a, in my opinion, elite. Nah, I ain't going to say elite. He's a good slash borderline great player in this league. I mean, but I just don't. I don't know what it spells for the Spurs. And the only thing I can think is that, hey, they, they, they start this rebuilding and they don't make the playoffs this coming season. But knowing Pop and everything that he's done and what he's taught and not only Pop, but R.C. Buford, who is the general manager, they're going to put a great team out and you're going to get playoffs. But I don't think you'll see them contending for a championship for a little while now. That's what I, once again, my opinion. These are all my opinions. Don't sue me. Don't shoot me. It's just what I think. My last question about the Spurs was, who would be the face of that franchise now? It was Kawhi. You know, for a long time, for, what, 20 years Close to it, it was Tim Duncan, and first it was Dave Robinson. Then it became Tim Duncan. And then, you know, after Tim retired, it was Kawhi. Now, all those guys are gone. I mean, when you say face of the franchise, who is going to be that number one it guy for the Spurs? Some say DeMar DeRozan, but DeRozan just arrived in the town. It's not like he, you know, came in and, did something yet. He hasn't done anything in, in a Spurs uniform yet. I say it's LaMarcus Aldridge. But I, I I mean, you don't have much else to go on. I mean, you could say Pau Gasol, but I give it to LaMarcus Aldridge. I think this is going to be LaMarcus Aldridge's team. So they'll go as he goes. That's it and that's all. So Happy trails, Mr. Manu Ginobili. It's been a pleasure watching you the last 16 years. That beautiful Euro step. And just watching your game, period. And he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He will go in the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame as well as the FIBA Hall of Fame. You heard it here first on Sideline Junkies. There will be no question, none, that he is, without a doubt, a Hall of Famer in both Hall of Fames. Moving on to a little NFL. OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. Signed a new contract. Five years, $95 million, With $65 million guaranteed. For those that are uninitiated and been living under a rock the past six years or so. Odell Beckham is one of the premier top receivers in the league. 
first round pick in 2012 out of LSU, number 12 pick. Um, his career stats, 312, I'm sorry, 313 receptions, 4,424 4, yards, 38 touchdowns. Now, I searched and looked through that draft class trying to find a receiver to compare him to. Who did I pick up? His college teammate, whom he formed a dangerous receiving tandem with, Jarvis Landry. Now, Jarvis Landry's stats over the same amount of time. And Jarvis Landry just signed a five-year, $75.5 million contract, $47 million guaranteed. 400 receptions. He has more receptions than OBJ. But less yards, 4,038. And less touchdowns, he has 22. But I, I, I was curious. And I, I've been trying to do the numbers and everything and figure it all out. Who, you know, in that draft class could compare to him? And it was, it's just Jarvis Landry. It's nobody else in that draft class that you can really say, you know, hey, this is somebody that's in his league. Is Odell Beckham Jr. the best wide out in the league? My answer, no. Top five, yes. The best, no. I give that to, <laughs> I give it to Antonio Brown, but in all actuality, me, I'm a big Jordy Nelson fan. I think Jordy Nelson is top five. I think he's top three because of what he's able to do, and I'm hoping that he has a big year with the Raiders this year. No if ands, or buts about it, but OBJ is behind Antonio Brown. Not very far, but he's behind him. So, now the Giants got Odell Beckham locked up for the next five years. The question is, does Eli have five years in him, which I think he does not. And, you know, Eli came in in what, 04? Two Super Bowls. And this is not the uh, <laughs> 08 Eli. You know, this is not that, that, that Super Bowl run Eli where they can start off slow and then he picks it up and he carries that team. It's not, it's not that Eli anymore. Not at all. So my question is, now that you have Saquon behind him, you have uh, Sterling Shepard, you have Odell. Do you bring in another quarterback? I mean, as in drafting, trade, whatever, that can come in and if Eli can't push this team, hey, Eli, have a seat. And this quarterback takes over. Do, do you go that route? Me personally, if I was the GM of the Giants, no. I'm not bringing anybody in to replace Eli right now. Uh, but in the upcoming draft, I will be drafting his replacement. But that's when he decides to leave. Kind of like a Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre thing. You know, I, you sit behind me. I'll tutor you. Tell you the ins and outs. Then when I leave, you take this ship and you go. That's it and that's all. I mean, look how it happened for uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, sitting behind Brett Favre for, what, two years? And 
they are they are Super Bowl favorites nearly every year. So something must have worked there. I mean, I think that's the way to do it when you have greatness at quarterback that's older and on their way out. You bring in a young buck, let them see how the show runs, and you groom them. Don't shove them out there. Let them hold the clipboard. Let them find it out and figure it out. And when the time comes and time for them to take over, bang, that's it. Uh, another question I had was, will, will the Giants, will they win the NFC East? Will they take back control? Because they've had control for such a long time. And I, I just, I don't think with Philadelphia being as powerful as they are, no matter how you slice it, Philadelphia still has Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. They have Darren Sproles coming back. They have Jay Ajayi. You still have Smallwood. Like, their offense is off the chain. Their defense has gotten stronger with the addition of Michael Bennett. You still have Fletcher Cox. Like, Philadelphia is scary good. So in order for the Giants or the Cowboys, my Redskins, to take back control of the NFC East, you got to beat that monster that's up there in Philadelphia. It's no way, no how. Everything has to go through Philadelphia right now. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. They got there for a reason. No doubt. So I think that the, the Giants are maybe, I'll say, two years, three years away from going back to dominate the division. I think at this present point, and this is not me being biased, this is what I see. I think the Redskins are just a tad bit better than the Giants in certain areas. But now in that run game, we got AP. But they got Saquon. And he is a animal. So we 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 shall see how that plays out. But I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see all of the good run games. And everything coming to the NFC East. It's about to go back to the black and blue division. What, it, what it's supposed to be. Smash mouth football. In your face. You know the days of the 80s and 90s. Where you got the Redskins running that counter tray. You got the Cowboys in the 80s with Tony Dorsett. In the 90s with Emmitt Smith. Well I'm sorry. Tony Dorsett and Herschel Walker in the 80s. In the 90s with Emmitt Smith. You had uh, Philly with the strong defense with uh, Reggie White, uh, uh, Jerome Brown, Seth Joyner. You know, they had a strong defense built to stop the run with Buddy Ryan's 46 defense. If you don't know, when Buddy Ryan took over in 86, that 46 defense was designed to stop the run. Always remember that. You had the Giants with that. Beautiful, vaunted defense 
with Lawrence Taylor, Pepper Johnson, Carl Banks. Uh, you had Everson Walls in the secondary. They won two titles in the 80s and the beginning of the 90s. I mean, they won a game in San Francisco in 1990. They shouldn't have won, but it's a defensive battle. It's getting ready to go back to that. If you've never seen the NFC or NFL football like that, YouTube it. Or you could America's Game it. Do America's Game and look at the titles that were won in the NFC East in the 80s. You had the Redskins in 82, the Giants in 86, the Redskins in 87, the Giants in 90, the Redskins in 91, the Cowboys 92 and 93. I mean, the NFC dominated. The NFC East dominated. Dominated. And it's getting ready to go back to that where every team in the NFC East is going to be a force to be reckoned with. That's what I'm hoping because I have a brilliant stake in that with my team being in the NFC East. But that's what it is. For the last few years, the AFC North has been the division where it's the black and blue division. Because it comes down to Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And you might sprinkle in Cincinnati here and there, but not much. But now, that's getting ready to be, speaking of which, that's getting ready to be a beautiful division in itself because, in my opinion, Cleveland is on their way up. I got bets out there that Cleveland will win 10 games and make the playoffs. I am that confident in that team. They have the pieces. They they had the coaching staff. They just needed the pieces. They're getting the pieces slowly but surely. So, watch out for Cleveland. That is my sleeper pick. That's it and that's all. But back to the NFC East. The Giants, I, I really don't have no faith in the Cowboys. The Redskins are better than the Giants in areas, as I said before. But the Giants could be the one that comes out and takes the NFC East. You know, that sleeper pick. But I know it won't be no, the, the, the daggone uh, uh, Cowboys. Everybody's figured out Dak Prescott. Once you got tape on him, you figured him out. Last season proved that. Because year before last, you couldn't stop that offense. You couldn't stop him and Ezekiel Elliott. I, I heard so many people talking about they were Cowboy fans. I never even knew they watched football. But all they could name was Dak Prescott. You like Dak? You like Dak? No, no, no. We like that. That's what we like in DC. You like that. Kirk Cousins, man. Don't, 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 don't try that. You like Dak. We don't want to hear that stuff here in DC. Cut that out. Oh, freaky Zeke. That's the only two people you can name. You couldn't name nobody else, but you was a Cowboy fan. What happened? You get to the playoffs at 13 and 3. You crumbled against the Green Bay Packers. Cut it out. And then last year, you stumbled. When Ezekiel Elliott went down, they fell back down to the bottom of the barrel like the sewage they are. Yeah, I called the Cowboys sewage. Because once that offense was figured out, that was it. Cut it out. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting a, a little too aggressive here because, you know, it's Cowboy talk. So, But I just, it's not going to be the Cowboys that come out of 
the NFC East this year. It, it's a three-way race. And I think the Giants will be the dark horse, but it's going to be long as everybody in stays healthy, it's going to be a three-way race. But when injuries start coming in, which you can't predict, you can't, you know, say, hey, this is what's going to happen. So everybody stays healthy. It's going to be some smash mouth in your face. I'm going to run you over. You're going to run me over type football coming out of the NFC East. It's going to be, as good old JR would say, a slobber knocker. So jump into a little college football before I get out of here. Uh, I wanted everybody to rep their team, so I, I, I'll get the, the guys to come and, and rep their team on, on the next show. And, you know, before Saturday come, I want to hear what everybody got to say, what they te- think their team going to do. Now, uh, I'm a Notre Dame fan, huge Notre Dame fan. Been a Notre Dame fan since, whew, boy, 88, 89. Uh, first time I seen Rocket Ishmael run a punt back, I was hooked. I, I, I remember Catholics versus Convicts. I remember Tony Rice. I remember uh, Jerome Bettis, Rodney Culver, Ricky Waters. I remember Archie Denson, uh, 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 Reggie Brooks, you know, uh, 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 Lee Beckham and Ray Zellis. I remember those guys. I used to love those guys. I remember Tim Brown. So I've been a, a Notre Dame fan for quite some time. Uh, we come out on September 1st against those hated Michigan Wolverines. And uh, I got a bet out there on that too. $10 that we're going to go ahead and take it. So, um, Brian Kelly is a capable coach. He said Wimbush is going to be the number one quarterback. I'm good with that. Let's get out there. Let's take it to, excuse me, let's take it to Michigan. Beat him in the head because they talking about that they, they, they might be, you know, favorites to be in the playoff by moving up. You're not going to move up on our dime. We got you. We're going to take you out. So with that being said, not going to hold y'all long. This is something short, sweet. Get in, get out. But one thing I do want to say, thank you to everybody that listens, everybody that uh, comments that I mean, comments on all the posts. You share the posts. Uh, you like us on, on on Instagram, Facebook. You respond to us on Twitter. Everything. Everybody that voted in the uh, the football's greatest of all time, and the results of that, Jim Brown. So that's the end all to be all. Jim Brown is the is the goat of football. That's it. The people that spoken. So whenever that conversation comes up. It's Jim Brown. So, but thank you to everybody that listens. Thank you for allowing the sideline junkies to come into your home, your car, uh, your commute to work, your commute home, your workout, anything, anywhere you listen to us at. Thank you. And I speak for all the guys and we mean it from the bottom of our heart. Thank you. Now. 
Anytime you want to listen to us, of course, right here, Anchor FM. This is where we are. This is home, baby. Anchor FM is home. But you can also hear us on Radio Public, Breaker, CastBox, Google. That's Google Podcast. Now, some if you already subscribed to us on Google Play, we're still in there. You're still subscribed to that. But now if you have it and you have Google, Google Podcasts. Download the app. Real easy to use. Sideline Junkies. We right there. iTunes Podcast. Overcast. Pocket Cast. Stitcher. And Spotify. You want to talk to us on, on, on Twitter. Sideline Junkies on Twitter. Uh, on Facebook. Sideline Junkies colon podcast. On Instagram, Sideline Junkies, all one word. And you want to talk to us by email, sidelinejunkies247 at gmail.com. Hey, thank you for listening once again. That's all my time. Uh, I may be on hiatus, but I'll still be producing until I'm able to come back. Uh, So until the next time we meet, Hopefully, that won't be too far in the future, but I know for a fact we still got to do 1 through 10 all-time wrestlers with the Dom, and that's coming Friday. So, until the next time I'm able to talk to everybody, be on these airways, bump my lips, have fun with y'all. Peace and blessings to all. Sideline Junkie, KG, I'm out.